Hey everybody, welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly. We are a uh, semi-monthly podcast about the card game Marvel Champions. Um, it's Americano here and I have with me Kennedy Hawk. How's it going? It's going swell. Good. Good. We also have a very special guest with us today. Um, this is a special episode where we will be talking not about Marvel Champions, but about a different Marvel game. Um, we are going to be talking about Marvel Unmatched, the Hell's Kitchen set. And we have the developer Noah Cohen with us. How are, how's it going, Noah? Hi, uh, it's going very well. How are you? I'm doing so good. And we're super happy to have you. Um, we're excited that you spent some time, you're spending some time with us today to do this because we know it's uh, not always easy to get away from you know, your day job to do this type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're always very busy uh, making games over restoration. So, um, before we, you know, get into the game and talk about what we can with, with Hell's Kitchen, we did this, um, a little bit ago with, with one of your, uh, coworkers with Brian Neff, and we Mm -hmm. were able to talk about the Redemption Row set, um, which had Luke Cage, Ghost Rider, and Moon Knight. Um, we weren't really able to get into Hell's Kitchen very much, but as of this release, it is now a street date. So we are good to talk about everything. We're super excited about that. So, um, that being said, why don't you give us a little bit, you know, like your, your two minute history with, with how you got into board gaming and specifically with restoration games and what you do over there. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a designer developer over at Restoration Games. I initially got into the hobby, uh, as as many people did, with Magic the Gathering. I played that for many years. It was the only game that I played. Uh, and then a couple evenings at the local game shop, they were having regular board game nights. I played some games that uh, I still actually have with me. Uh, there's Trail at House on the Hill. Um, and then later on, uh, Ascension, that kind of got me into the, the board game sphere more heavily. Uh, more more recently, I went back to school to learn how to do game design professionally, ended up taking some classes with a man named Rob Davio, uh, who I took a bunch of classes with, we hit it off, and then when I was done with classes, uh, I actually stuck around and continued helping him, uh, eventually joining Restoration Games. Uh, and and while I'm there, uh, we work on designing uh, and developing the the products that Restoration Games puts out. I've heard of Rob. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have any? Is there anything specifically with Betrayal at House on the Hill that didn't you do something else with that or later on? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, it was one of the first board games I played. But then uh, my my first work with Rob was actually uh, as developer on. Betrayal Legacy. Uh, then later, I worked with Brian Neff on um, Betrayal at Mystery Mansion, which is a Scooby-Doo-themed uh, betrayal game. And then most recently, uh, we have uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill 3rd Edition, which I also worked with um, Brian on. And that's available as of now in the United Kingdom and coming out later this summer in America. So... Uh, okay. It was one of the games that got me into this, and then it's one of the ones that I've now worked on the most. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Paid some dividends. Nice. So as far as um, so now at Restoration Games, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but now you you're one of the developers, so you do a lot of the the fine tuning of a lot of the unmatched characters. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we do a lot of the. Uh, I also do design work, but yeah, there's a lot of development that goes into every set of unmatched that comes out, and Brian and I kind of head that up. So, uh, okay, if there's anything wrong with any of the characters or the ones that you really like, you can blame us. <laughs> you get all you really the blame, like man, you yeah. like me if you really don't like me. Yeah, there you no, go. Works, right? There you go. So you said, um, what are some of the characters that you are there any that we currently have? That um, you were like, that was your brainchild. At least the the initial starting, like, hey, this is the one I want to I want to de- design, and then it went through the development process after that. Yeah, the one that has my fingerprints on it the most at the moment that's available is Bloody Mary. Um, that was the the development of Battle Legends Volume Two, and uh, a couple other sets was when we joined the team full time uh, when. We initially had a different character in Battle of Legends Volume 2 that didn't end up working out. We came up with a new one, uh, and that was one that I had a pretty heavy hand in developing. Um, one that is not out yet is the second Jurassic Park set. That was technically the first set that Brian and I worked on, but licensing uh, sometimes adds, adds to the time frame, so that's actually going to be coming out uh, after some of the other stuff that I've worked on. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I uh, actually really liked playing Bloody Mary. Um, oh, glad to hear it. Doesn't mean I'm good with her. Uh, <laughs> she's tricky, but but it she is a fun uh, nut to crack for me. So she's been a lot really? of fun to play. Okay, um, so now I guess let's let's dive into the Marvel stuff. Um, yeah. Since since believe it or not, we are not a podcast about just board games in general. We're a podcast about Marvel champions. Um, but we do we do this occasionally where we like to talk with designers and developers about Marvel um, adjacent games. Sure. Um, and <clears throat> so I already mentioned that Redemption Rose come out and now um, now Hell's Kitchen is the one that we're going to focus on today. And Hell's Kitchen has three characters in it, right? Um, it's Daredevil, Elektra, and Bullseye. Is that right? Absolutely, yep. Okay. And I'm just curious, um, are you, well, do you have any, do you have a favorite Marvel hero from Marvel lore before uh, we get into Hell's Kitchen? In, that's related to Hell's Kitchen? No, no, before we get into, sorry, oh, I, I, I wanted see. to backtrack. Uh, I wanted to do some icebreakers uh, and, and get your feel, get a feel for, uh, for you your... Know, uh, I like all of them pretty equally. I, I didn't get into... Um, comics and 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 reading them for the Marvel Universe in general until uh, pretty recently. I still haven't gotten into the comics, but uh, I do enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and the the character that I really just like uh, is Deadpool. Uh, I really like the 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 snarky nature of that character. Okay. Um, my wife and I really really enjoy those stories. Uh, so the. Probably Deadpool if I had to pick one, but in general, I just like the the theme and the lore that's uh, on a more general scale. Okay, I I like that answer. Um, 
was Deadpool in Unmatched? Because there is a Deadpool character you can play. Was that before your time? No. Nope. Restoration Games? No, that, uh, okay. that actually was probably the set that came together the fastest. Uh, Deadpool was decided on and executed and designed and playtested in the span of just a few months. Uh, this was after we got the initial okay to do Marvel-related stuff from Marvel. Uh, and then we learned about the, the Deadpool um, or April Pool's Day. Uh, extravaganza that was happening and said hey you know it would be a great character for us to add if we could fit Deadpool into that the only way that it would work is if we could kind of skip one of the longest stages in most uh, unmatched development time which is the art so we had our in-house graphic design uh, guru uh, Jason um, kind of did his thing and that's why the art is maybe a little bit um, more eclectic compared to what you see in most of Unmatched stuff. Uh, yeah. So, but he was able to work at a blistering pace, um, and and we were able to get that deck out uh, in time because that one was on a much tighter deadline. Um, so, it, judging on when it came out, you might think that it was uh, a much older set, but no, it it came together actually after the initial design of of these six characters. I just was able to move a lot faster. That's pretty cool. Uh, that was a that was a really fun uh, set to design as well. <laughs> well, it sounds like you got your dream character in already. Do you have a favorite villain from the MCU or from Marvel lore? Oh, you know, I would love to get a lot more villains into this set. It just didn't end up shaking out uh, in terms of when we were selecting characters. Um, but if I so if I had to pick one that was in the right power level um you know because you have characters like ultron or or thanos but those are not not in a reasonable power level for for unmatched in terms of you know getting sure. things that feel yep. like they are even remotely fair um i think there's a there's like a couple spider-man villains that are kind of crossover into hell's kitchen it might have been nice to do like a kingpin or something um I think that would kind of hit around the right level and and be pretty evocative. I feel like he'd be a a heavy scheme villain or a yeah character. yeah heavy scheme and maybe like a lot of uh, sidekicks. He's yeah moving around sidekick then, manipulation and recursion that'd be really cool. Yeah, it doesn't have maybe a lot of attacks that he makes, but they all hit really hard or something. I think that could be fun. Um, uh. So really, really quick, you mentioned Jason. Um, you work with Jason. Was he the one? Brian mentioned um, that someone at the team was like super into Deadpool and really pushed it. Was it? Was that Jason? Uh, I, I think he was the like. Let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. And he was like on board to do it. Like, every, everyone really wanted to make it happen, but we kind of knew that without some sort of graphics miracle, it just wouldn't. And Jason really dug deep and said, you know what? Okay. That is not going to be a blocker. I'm going to see to it. So I think, yeah, you could probably pretty squarely rest that uh, on his shoulders in terms of the labor required under the time that was necessary. Uh, there was no one standing in the way. It was just yeah. a matter of could we get this done in time? Um, because in order for it to be approved, it needed to come out in a very specific window. 
Uh, and well, it sounds like did a absolutely colossal amount of work in a very short period of time to make it happen. There are thirty unique cards, uh, right. and and they're all have their own little twist on on the world. I mean, it sounds like you guys have a really solid team that that helps each other out a lot, especially when you can get behind a project like Deadpool, where it was like time <clears throat> time sensitive. You know, let's just let's just bang this thing out. You know, so that's mm-hmm. that's really cool to have that um, support system. Uh, so based on that, you guys. Unmatched isn't your only game. Your only game that you guys got going on. No. You have so many other things going on, um, and I'm assuming that you do development on on all these. Or I mean, maybe not yes. all the projects, but m- most of the projects, right? If not all of them. No, we we have a pretty small, uh, concentrated design team here. We have uh, myself, Rob, Justin, and Brian, and uh, we we have various people leading different projects at different times, but everyone has input on basically every game that goes out. Uh, and we work together pretty well as a the agile little team. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, you know, with with having all these other projects and having a, a smaller team, right, where you're working on everything, it, do you find it hard um, to, like, cut characters out or, like, push push unmatched characters out because there's so much you can do with the game and it's, and it's such a simple system mm-hmm. but there's like we could do this character and we could do that character and we could you know what i mean where there's just so much you can draw from but you can only do so much in so little time yeah um do, do you find that as a struggle uh, i wouldn't in- say it's a struggle it's a it's an interesting restriction um you know it, it actually really pushes us to make sure that what we're delivering is stuff that is the best of the best that we can come up with because putting out six sets in a year is extremely pushing it uh, in terms of a release schedule. And, uh, you know, we're, we're putting out a lot, but um, part of this is just due to uh, production issues over the past couple of years that we're catching up with now. So right. normally I think we try to aim for about four a year, uh, which is not to say that they only take three months to finish. It's just that we're working on multiples at the same time. Um, but that that restriction of there's only so many that you can get out uh, really encourages us to make sure that the ones that we're putting out are ones that we are absolutely confident and, and excited about putting out. Um, we don't believe in wasting um, time or, or, or resources, either our, our fans or ours. Right. Well, I appreciate that. I can, you know, as a fan... Uh, Dan and I are both big fans of the game. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Um, he introduced me to the game, and I've introduced a lot of people around in the local scene about it, you know, into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think they you. kind of <laughs> get annoyed with me because I always want to play it. I'm like, hey, let's let's play Unmatched. They're like, well, how about we play this other game? I'm like, well, can we play Unmatched first? <laughs> you know? Uh, especially with the Marvel sets coming out, just come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get you get some. I guess you kind of get some name recognition a little bit, maybe more. You know, more so than. I guess it dis- depends on the person, right? Um, the audience, but I feel like with the advent of the MCU in the last fifteen twenty years, I guess it hasn't been that long, has it? Fifteen years. It's been a while. 
um, you know, Daredevil is like a household name almost compared to Beowulf. And I, frankly, I love Beowulf, right? But I just feel like if someone says, I mean, Unmatched isn't just a Marvel game, right? It's it's a it's a fighting game. Yes. Um, but but I feel like you you get the Marvel now name recognition, and so it, <clears throat> at least for me, it's been like, oh, I can play as Deadpool. Yeah, you want to play? Okay, yeah, I'll play. Yeah, there's definitely this this goal with the Unmatched uh, IP sets of choosing IPs very carefully. In that we want people that will enjoy the system within the IP, but then we really like them to be able to and want to leverage the the modularity of it. So, you know, you, you put everyone's favorite characters in and then they get to go answer the question of you know, who wins in a in a fight between Bruce Lee and Bigfoot. Well, let's go settle that. Um and and that's something we really try to to uh foster uh with, with our sets. Uh, so we we do try to choose IPs where that sort of question is one that is likely to come up with the fans, um, as opposed to say, uh, I don't want to you know, pick examples, especially of ones that we're not working on. Um, but uh, there there are IPs out there where the fans are you know very interested in maybe buying a complete box set, but then not interested in asking the hypothetical what ifs that really bring them into the broader unmatched sphere and uh you know both for both for fan and enjoyment reasons and also you know from being a little honest monetary reasons we would like you to purchase as much as <laughs> as much as you're interested in purchasing uh ips that are not likely to lead to that are are a little bit of a tougher sell from a from a marketing sure. standpoint so uh marvel fortunately has uh, a lot of very interesting places it has gone over the years that really I think leads that are fans of Unma- of Marvel to uh, want to ask those questions and then answer them. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned what if because when I demo this in the store, like we have our weekly board game night at the store, and I'm always bringing unmatched. I put the Marvel boxes up, and like you prop a buck box up on your table and hope people will come over and play with you Mm -hmm. and people always come over for the marvel box and i pitch it as that what if or uh show or comic and i'm like what if daredevil had to fight robin hood who's gonna win Mm -hmm. so we we definitely sell it that way in the store trying to convince people to come play it with us and it resonates really well with marvel people so i think you all nailed it with that wonderful so looking at the overall um unmatched universe that you have created that your team has created um and you can be as honest or as as not honest as you want but because you said you had a big hand in bloody mary who's but who's your favorite character to sit down and play with of course of the ones that have been released up through hell's kitchen Mm. um who who would you say is your like i know i have preferences but i do have some favorite you know a favorite who is your favorite to play with? Can we look at the list here? Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, I do still uh, absolutely enjoy Bloody Mary. Um, I think especially uh, when you look at the, the Marvel sets that have come out, the one that is my favorite is probably Daredevil. Um, you know, when I play 
other games, the the idea of recurring your cards and kind of getting into a loop where, yeah, I know I played this against you, but now I'm going to play it again when it's really good uh, is a pattern that really appeals to me. So that's probably one of my favorite characters now. Um, I think he's got some really interesting dynamics going on. Well, let's, I think let's jump into Hell's Kitchen then. Um, so with, so Daredevil is my favorite superhero. And I told this to Brian, I said, I said, thank you for, for bringing Daredevil to Unmatched so I can actually play with, with Daredevil because in Marvel Champions, he is not a playable hero. I don't know if he, I'm sure he will at some point, but it doesn't look like anytime soon. So I'm super happy that Unmatched has Daredevil. Because Someone's Dan a little get... bitter. Just a little bitter. <laughs> so, well, you had Hawkeye, like, first year. It's so... true. It's true. So, so you can... Uh, so who was, who, uh, who was the first person to suggest an idea for Daredevil? Who do I get to thank the most? Uh, I believe like... that the one who took the first pass at Daredevil was Rob. I think uh, that was the one that I think believe he was the most excited about of the of the set. So I think the one you have to thank for that is Rob. All right. Well, thanks, Rob. <laughs> you probably won't listen to this, but <laughs> uh, and I know I know it's been it, I mean it's been a while since you guys designed these and and refined them. So it has been a while. Know. Yeah, they uh, a lot of them came together at least the initial draft very. Quickly, I want to say three years ago. Um, I want to say three years ago. It, it was the the weekend of PAX, which is you know next weekend, um, and we we sat down just before it started, Brian and I, with and and busted out two or three drafts uh, and settled on something that we liked, and then. You know, conceptually, they didn't change. Obviously, some of the cards shift around in value and what they do, but um, we pretty quickly settled on what a lot of these characters were going to do from a concept standpoint. Um, you know, it certainly helps that Marvel is extremely evocative in the, the power suite that they give to their characters, so it gives us a, a real target to try to hit. Um, oh, that's that's an interesting point, because maybe with, with Bloody Mary... You know, she's this urban legend mm-hmm. that you had. I mean, just so the listeners know, Bloody Mary. So in Unmatched, you get two actions per turn, generally speaking. That's your set number of actions. But with Bloody Mary, if you start your turn with three cards, you get a third action, <clears throat> which which is really powerful. And she has a lot of um, card effects that that do other things if it's the third action if it's your third action mm-hmm. that turn. So it's all about the, the number three, which I think is very clever, but um, I mean, that's a, that's a mechanically based on just saying her name three times, right? Yes. Yeah. She's, but, but doesn't have a whole lot of specific lore about her. We had to do a little bit of um, extrapolating and just, you know, generally delivering on oh, a Victorian ghost sort of feel rather than specific powers attributed to her. Whereas, you know, Marvel, Daredevil has some pretty specific things that you can plug into, or Bullseye um, being able to hit the target from 
just about anywhere. You know, that was a thing that we could actually play into with the cards and add something to aim for mechanically. No pun intended. <laughs> so when you started drafting the ideas for the Hell's Kitchen box, did you know right away that it was going to be a three-character box? And were there any characters that almost made the cut, but you had to drop off at sort of during the development process? Uh, there were, yeah. So initially when we were designing or, or putting together what we wanted to do for Marvel, we were figuring out how many sets we wanted to deliver um, and, and you know, what we, what we wanted to do in the time frame we had with the license. And uh, there's, there's a number of characters that are basically, there was basically a list. It was not literally everything that is in Marvel's suite. They gave us a list of the characters that we are interested in you doing something with if you choose to do the license. Um, so that was kind of the list we started with. It was still pretty long. Um, we had to narrow it down quite a bit. But one of the goals was to find sets that had kind of a self-contained interest feature with them. So Hell's Kitchen came together pretty quick, um, you know, because Bullseye Electra and Daredevil were all on the list. And we're like, hmm, you know what? Those go together basically without any help from us. Um, you know, that's not, it's not even a little bit of a stretch to get them in the same box. Um, uh, we did know pretty early on uh, for, for cost reasons that they needed to be three character boxes. Um, and... Hell's Kitchen as a concept came together almost immediately. And and the map almost... Oh, yeah, the map also, like, the entire be. box as a, as a concept came together. Like, well, we're going to do Hell's Kitchen, it's going to be Bullseye, it's going to be Electra, it's going to be Daredevil, it's going to be in Hell's Kitchen. Okay, done, next. <laughs> I really love the map for this one. I like all the details, like there's a, a truck that's tipped over that has Fisk written mm -hmm. on it, and there's a Nelson and Murdoch mm -hmm. billboard. Um, but someone on Discord pointed out that those cars are really small compared to your figures. And the headcanon for myself is that Ant-Man gave all these characters pin particles and they're like smashing through the city. Uh, yeah, some of the, so next time you're playing, you can imagine some that. Some of the maps are a little bit more conceptual. You know, they, they give a feel for where you're fighting, but they're not necessarily to scale. Um, these, are, these are not 40-foot characters running around these buildings, but... Uh, oh, dang it. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, so sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, Hell's Kitchen came together pretty quick um, in, in terms of uh, figuring out what we wanted to do and put together. I had a, a nice mix of it had a villain, it had a hero, it had someone who was a little bit of both. Um, so it's it's definitely, I think, one of the most balanced boxes that we've come out with so far. Yeah, and so the box came with three characters. Um, just like in the main game we cover, each character kind of has a hook. Do we want to go through each character and talk about what their hook is and what makes them unique? Yeah, absolutely. Is that cool? So why don't you? We've been talking about Daredevil, so why don't we start with him? What's what's the main hook for Daredevil, and um, how did you guys come about that idea for the hook? Yeah, so uh, there there were a couple things that we kind of knew we wanted to do for. Uh, Daredevil, in terms of his fighting style, um, you know what you, what you see in the comics um, is that he is a extremely acrobatic person. Um, he is, but the the one of the things that really drives him and that makes him a little bit better than you know your average villain is that he's willing to just go past the point of exhaustion and and keep fighting. Um, 
And we conveniently enough have a mechanic that's all centered around exhaustion. If you run out of cards in your deck, uh, then you start taking damage whenever you need to draw a card. Um, so we wanted to play around with that feature where he gets close to exhaustion and uh, and then kind of fights through it. So he has cards that get better uh, when he has no cards in his deck. He has cards that allow him to get cards out of his discard. Uh, and he has a whole mechanic um, that is based around getting cards into his discard. Uh, there's a mechanic in Unmatch called Blind Boosting. Allows you to discard the top card of your deck, and there's a number on every card called its boost value, and you get to add that to the value of your card. So he has a mechanic where if he has very few cards in hand, uh, so he's pushing himself to his limit, and all of his cards get a little stronger, um, but at the cost of pushing himself even further. So he has this whole rolling uh, sequence of, you know, you really want to push yourself to the absolute limit of running out of cards. And if you manage to do that, then you're going to be rewarded with a lot of extra um, features on your cards, more damage, uh, additional abilities, that sort of thing. And then we, we reward that by giving him the ability to keep going and get cards back into his deck if he manages to do some stuff. Um, so that's his whole spiel of pushing and playing around with getting close to exhaustion uh, and, and flirting with it, but not really losing to it uh, if he's doing if he's firing on all cylinders. Um, Bullseye is pretty well known in in his lore for being an absolute expert marksman. Uh, everything is a weapon, and uh, he can hit you from improbable uh, angles and ranges. So. There is there are two basic ranges in Unmatched. There's melee, where you can attack people that are adjacent. And then there is uh, ranged, where you can attack people that are in your line of sight. And line of sight is uh, helpfully defined um, right on the map. So every space kind of lets you know where you can make a ranged attack to. Um, and he ignores all of that. Um, he just gets to attack anyone who's within five spaces. Regardless of whether it's around corners or you know through things that you shouldn't be able to hit, if you're within five spaces of him, he can hit you, um, which really plays up his ability to improbably uh, attack from weird angles, etc. Um, and he then uh, he's got this whole arrogance to him uh, and a sort of swagger in the comics that we wanted to play up. So he has a lot of cards that give you an additional effect if you've already won a combat uh, during that turn. So there are three things that you can do in a turn. You can attack, or you can scheme, or you can maneuver, and you get to do two of them every turn. On the first one, if you manage to win a combat, and on that second one, you can be really rewarded on a lot of your cards because you already won, and now you're just kind of showboating. Um, so he has a lot of cards that reward him for that. Um, and that makes He's very annoying to play against. He's very interesting to play against. That's for sure. He, does, <laughs> he is not. Uh, he is not. A you, have to change, you have to change a lot of. Exactly. Um, because because, and I'll let you. I don't want to cut you off too much, but I'll just say, there's a lot of tactical decision making, in unmatched where or there can be. I guess I guess I should say, in in positioning on the board, um, based on the zones and that type of thing, but. With him, he kind of throws that out the window. Yeah, there's this a little bit interesting interplay where when you have a melee fighter versus a regular ranged fighter, you kind of feel like you have to dodge and hide and play around with the range to to close quickly, and then now you're on equal footing. 
Uh, and Bullseye does a really good job of making a ranged character feel like a melee character. Um, you know, if you're if you're relying on your range, he can just fight you from outside it, and now you're the one who's dodging and weaving and trying to close. And normally, that's something you get to make other people do. Uh, and he just right. goes right over the top there, which is some interesting fights. Uh, and then I think the the final character we had was Electra. Uh, who pretty famously in uh, in the lore dies and is resurrected um, and is in charge of, at various points, uh, a band of shadowy figures called the Hand. But we gave her some uh, hand soldiers uh, to, to be her sidekicks in the game. Um, many fighters in Unmatched come with a sidekick uh, or, or several sidekicks. Not all of them. Uh, Daredevil and Bullseye are both uh, solo fighters, but Electra is going to come with a suite of ninjas, and uh, then also the first time she dies, she gets resurrected. Um, in fact, we we tried to recreate kind of this little cinematic moment where you, know, you manage to defeat Electra, and then she and all of the hand vanish from the board, uh, and you're left wondering, all right, where'd they go? And then they all reemerge from the shadows, uh, stronger than ever, and you get this kind of little. You know, mid-boss resurrection feel to it, and then all of her cards get better. So uh, she has a lot of cards that, if you have resurrected, uh, you get an improved feature on that card, uh, which makes for a really interesting interplay. Of you know, if you die too soon, uh, then you haven't gotten the most out of your deck because the other thing that you get to do is shuffle all of the cards that you've already played back into your deck, and she has a smaller than normal deck. If you die too quickly, you actually run out of cards faster than your opponent. But if you manage to really stay a long time, then you're going to exhaust your opponent because you're going to have a larger than normal deck. There's this interesting interplay of wanting to go for the kill um, to, to knock her out and force her to resurrect so you can get the fight moving. Um, but at the same time, you want to kind of put that off until you have the right tools in your hand to deal with her now stronger cards. You know, last time I played against Electra, I made the mistake of I had defeated all the hand, and then I defeated Electra, but I was in a tri zone space. Mm, that's an interesting strategy. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a strategy. It was just a oversight, I think, on my part because I didn't realize that once she's resurrected, all of her, her, and all of her hand fighters come back in a different zone, mm -hmm. and so I was very easily surrounded. Yep. Um, on my next turn, but I would luckily I was playing as Daredevil and got the scheme that allows him oh, to move through spaces and deal damage. So I was I was able to get out of that pickle a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, make but I, nice I quickly learned that uh, cinematic scene too. I was I had a little bit of a heart attack there. Uh, yeah, no, in uh, our house we always have to make a. a it was interesting it. coming up with exactly how her resurrection mechanic worked because we definitely wanted sort of, oh no, now I'm surrounded to happen, but we didn't want it to happen every time. So we, we've we experimented with various ways of resurrecting. Does she go back to her starting space? Does, you know, do the hand show up and they all have to be next to her? Do they have to be um, in various places? And one that we settled on was they all have to be in a different zone, um, which means that some areas of the board are more dangerous than others. Sounds like you found one of the more dangerous ones. I think it works thematically, though. Um, 
all the hand coming in from different directions. I think. Uh. Anyway, I I really like that that mechanic. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I really like this box. We always make the joke when we're getting attacked as Electra in our first form to say this isn't even my final form. <laughs> and it's funny the first three times you get attacked and then my wife gets annoyed. But um, I really like Electra. Um, so in Unmatched, usually there's kind of a static deck size. But here we have two non-standard mm-hmm. deck sizes with Daredevil and Electra. So how did you kind of hone in on the right size for their decks? to balance both consistency and exhaustion. Uh, a little bit of trial and error. So we, or for Daredevil, you know, we wanted to allow him to play into exhaustion and reward him for going low on cards in deck. And we realized two things. One, uh, if he had a normal size deck, it took too long for him to get there. But uh, additionally, we couldn't really play up his recursion elements as much because uh, although he wouldn't be able to make lot of use of the hey you're low on deck he would be able to make too good use of putting cards back in his deck and he would be able to play a very passive game so by removing uh eight cards from his deck at the start of the game we really put him on the you have to go make a move you have these tools to get your deck size um back and and put cards back in it but you have to proactively do that or else you're going to run into exhaustion way before your opponent um and that uh, leads to some some interesting interplay there. Uh, for Electra, we had a, a similar realization where if we gave her a full size deck, then she can play extremely passive, and uh, and and she'll you know you'll both run through your deck at around the same time, and then she gets a whole new shuffle, and she can play passive again. Uh, so we ended up cutting down their deck size because if you're using them um, about average then you're going to have an average size deck. If you really get the right juice out of them, then you're going to have a bigger than average size deck, but you're already probably winning. But we really wanted to um, make it so that those shuffling in mechanics felt good. Uh, And in order for them to feel good, we had to kind of take something away at the start, um, if that makes sense. No, it it does. And and Brian told us um, that you have an Excel spreadsheet that you that you have a like a base fighter. What do you call it? Like Joe Fighter or something <laughs> it's like that? Called Joe Fighter. Joe Fighter. How did you? If you remember, do you recall you like playing with the hand size or the deck sizes against Joe Fighter? Was that how was that? Um, because you use this Joe Fighter to as as kind of like the base. You know, you got your thirty cards and you have these like base statistics. He's certainly not an interesting character. Um, let's let's be clear. <laughs> We're never going to publish him. He is the world's most boring character. But he does uh, give a good baseline of um you know what you can expect when you're when you're fighting someone. Um, and it was a combination of that and also just play testing against all of the other unmatched characters that gave us a sense of, oh, she still has too many cards in her deck. Um, well let's let's remove some more. Uh, sort of thing, and okay, uh, you know, I want to be able to say that we did some really intensive calculations, but it was trial and error. Um, yeah, pull some cards out. That feels a little better. Let's pull some more cards out. Oh, that's too many. Pull some cards back in. Hey, that's right. Um, so there's a really wide audience for unmatched from the people that play extremely competitively, knowing every card that's coming mm-hmm. in their deck to the people that probably play more like me, casual kitchen mm-hmm. table level. 
So when you're balancing a character, are you trying to balance more for this like high efficiency um, competitive play, or are you balancing more for a kitchen table style, or is it like a mix? It's a of little both? bit of a mix of both. So we want the game to be enjoyable for as many people as possible, and really the if the game is fun to play at a kitchen table, then it's it's fun to play. Uh, and there's a smaller number of things you have to do to make the game uh, feasible for for casual play. Uh, so that's a pretty easy bar to clear. And then after that, we try to do another pass of, well, is there anything that you can do with this character that is, you know, not how we intended you to play it, but if you play it this way, it's going to be extremely effective and probably also boring. Um, and we, we try to eliminate those. I wouldn't say that we have a hundred percent success rate on that, but we, we definitely try to make it so that the game is fun if you're playing casual and still reasonably balanced, even if you're playing it optimally. Um, and, and it's a, it's a tricky tight line, uh, tight wire to walk because, you know, you don't want to balance all the fun out of it. Um, but you also don't want to make it so that the game is not interactive because someone has found this optimal strategy. Uh, and it's definitely a, a tricky line to walk. But we do try to hit both when we can. Well, you, you said you try to make it fun for kitchen table people, and I can tell oh, you it's well, fun. Okay. So there, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> you are the end all. That's it. <laughs> Good job, all right. Dan. Moving right along. Thanks for having me. Everyone... um okay so we got to hear about all the characters um we're super happy about the characters we love these ones um i I actually think that you did a good mix in this set with you got daredevil as the hero bullseye as the villain and and then you have electra as this sort of anti-hero sometimes she's a hero because she helps daredevil but she's shady in her methods and so she has these other things that she's got going on absolutely she definitely uh, depends on Um, which series you're reading i'm told yes so i mean i'm i'm happy about that right because i was thinking about this in redemption row you have luke cage Mm -hmm. moon knight and ghost rider and those are all heroes they're Um, all heroes more or less i wouldn't say they're all good that's fair that's fair um well i mean i guess yeah i'm i'm very pleased and i know a lot of people are very pleased with with the like hero to villain i guess ratio and in marvel it's more clear-cut than maybe well maybe it's not more than like the cobble and fog set for example i guess that's pretty clear-cut i don't Um, think anyone's really a nice maybe jekyll but not hyde um, and, and Sherlock, certainly, uh, but uh, Sherlock, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the but, man but what and I've noticed, are not, uh, not exactly heroes. Yeah, um, but with these, with I mean, with this set, you have, like you said, you wrote it. It wrote like the map wrote mm-hmm. itself. In Redemption Row, it's on the raft, um, and then this one is in Hell's mm-hmm. Kitchen, um, and the so. I guess to go towards the the boards or the maps, um, there's generally uh, at least there has been since the initial release, I believe, um, some sort of unique hook on each map. Yeah, not not always. We do uh, we 
we don't rule out the possibility of having a map that is just spaces, but we do try to put a feature of interest on the map if we uh, if we feel there needs to be one. Okay, so so with um, so for example, um, Battle of Legends Volume Two adds like um, high ground, I believe it's mm -hmm. called, where yep, if you attack an adjacent specific spaces on the board have a printed like plus one yeah, to your attack, attack if you're attacking a fighter adjacent other spaces then you get a, a high ground advantage and add one to your attack yes which which is really awesome right i think that's really cool i think actually uh the cobble and fog set has like secret uh, mm -hmm. passageways which i pref like love that especially when i'm playing with multi sidekick mm -hmm. heroes um to block those so that people can't come and sneak up on me. Yeah, those are very uh, much a, I a like love doing it or that. hate it mechanic. Um, and then, you know, like the Jurassic Park set, at least the first one, the second one that's coming out later, I don't know, but this one, the, the Raptors has the Raptor Paddock and it has one-way arrows, for example, right? Where you can attack adjacent, but you can only, it's like you're dropping into the Raptor Paddock and you've got to go out the mm -hmm. main way. You could get blocked in, for example. Well, this set, um, what's the hook in in these these two yeah, Marvel in, sets? The the in map Marvel hook. the hook is that there are various items, uh, you know, strewn about the the map that are available for use, and that we really wanted to play up. You know, the scene where uh, you have two super powered individuals fighting, and one of them just picks up a manhole cover and hucks it at the other person. Um, you know, that's not something you see in, uh, in in an average, more realistic fight. So we wanted to really kind of play that up a bit. So there are uh, two types of items that you, uh, item tokens that you can find on the map. Some of them are uh, items that are specifically useful in combat. When you're attacking someone and you're on that space, you can say, hey, I'm also going to use this item. And it just adds a bonus to your attack or to your defense. Use it on either one. Uh, and then we also have items that are schemes where when you're standing in that place, you can use the effect on that token and then get rid of the token. Uh, and the cool thing that I think that they do is that they give uh, certain fighters access to abilities that are not normally in their kit. You know, you, this is not a deck building game. You have, if you're playing Luke Cage, you have the Luke Cage deck. Um, and Luke Cage in his deck does not have an ability to look at anyone else's hand. Well, if he's playing on uh, on a map that allows you to, I think it's the security camera, uh, is a scheme which allows you to look at your opponent's hand. So you kind of get that little access to abilities that you might not otherwise have uh, that can shake up matchups um, in ways you might not expect. Are these meant to be mixed and matched? Can I take the scheme tokens from Redemption Row and put them on the Hell's yeah, Kitchen I don't make map? Any promises or are there restoration game police? There's not. Good. You can totally okay. do it. Um, uh, you know, the, the maps both have the, the same outlines, same number of tokens on them. So it's very simple to take the tokens from Hell's Kitchen and put them into Redemption Row and vice versa. I, I did find it funny that on Hell's Kitchen, I had a, a mailbox on top of the roof. Oh, you know. <laughs> I mean, there, there have been crazier things that have happened it's in true. Marvel comics. So. <laughs> I mean, also, I had some pretty awesome thematic games with it, though. 
<laughs> also having bullseye pick up a mailbox and throw yeah, it at exactly that's that's the moment that we really want to deliver on is that you know you're you're chasing bullseye up a fire escape and suddenly he harks a mailbox at you and you're like i don't even know where that came from but it certainly feels like something that could happen in a fight between daredevil and bullseye in hell's kitchen yeah that that was my favorite moment is we had a moment where um Bullseye picked up a manhole cover and he chucked it at Luke Cage, who picked up a fire Perfect. hydrant to block it. And I was just like, "This is Marvel. I can <laughs> feel it." <laughs> that's that's absolutely the goal. So I'm I'm glad that that's how it's being received. All right. So I guess um, you maybe you don't have to answer this, and I don't. I'm not trying to pry, but. You said for Marvel, we're going to see these tokens. There's a couple more Marvel sets coming out, I believe, at the mm-hmm. end of the year. Yep. No, Is that that's, right? That's fully announced. Are we, are, uh, are, you know, we're not, no spoilers on the contents, but uh, there, are, there are two more Marvel sets that have been announced. Um, there is Teen Spirit, which is Squirrel Girl, Oaken Dagger, and Miss Marvel. And there is for King and Country, which is Black Widow, Black Panther, and Winter Soldier. Awesome. Dan, are you super happy about Squirrel Girl? I'm jazzed, yeah. <laughs> I have no problem. It's very with that. fun. Um, uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some cool stuff happening in both of those sets. That's that's exciting. So that's like fall winter ish so. maybe yeah hopefully I'm, I'm fingers crossed don't keep okay. a super close eye on the exact release schedule but i think that sounds right okay well so, sometime that's this year hopefully plan. <laughs> where should people go to be ready to pre-order those i know i pre-ordered these two sets together and they came last week which gave me enough time to play a bunch of games before this um so is there like a mailing list yeah, or a website people should sign up for to make sure they can pre-order? Uh, all, all one word spelled how you think it might be. Uh, and then there is a uh, two things. Um, there is a, on the contact form, uh, you can actually join our list to be a play tester for future sets. Um, and then there's also... I think it's in news. Hmm. We have a sign up to be on a newsletter somewhere. I thought it was on contacts. But it doesn't appear to be. Um, hmm. you know what? I will I will find that for if you. We find we it later, we'll edit it in or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Put it in the description. Uh, but yes, if you go to restorationgame.com, there's a way to sign up for our newsletter, uh, and we will email you very sporadically when we have things to announce. And then, just so we know, before those other Marvel sets are coming, the plan is to have a second Jurassic Park yep, set, is that right? There's another Jurassic Park set that is coming out, which will feature uh, Dr. Sattler and the T-Rex. So we're going to get... a a giant oh, miniature. Yeah. It, miniature is probably not the right word. 
Okay, and and that's is that it? That's that's five. Uh, and then I believe we also have a set uh, that is coming out, which is uh, public domain characters. That is uh, the genie versus Houdini, or Houdini versus the genie. Excuse me. Uh, that will also be coming out this year. That's awesome. Because that's so that's six total sets this year. That's a lot so of unmatched. That's good. That's a that's a lot of unmatched. <laughs> so for people that listen to our podcast that are into Marvel, at the very least, I recommend the Marvel unmatched. Um, I, I also recommend all the other unmatched, but that's because I'm a really big geek and I find these, these types of things fascinating and a lot of fun. So now is a great time to jump in because um, even if you just get the stuff moving forward, that's seven. six sets and all of those seven sets, all of those are, uh, you can just get an individual one and, and have mm-hmm. a standalone game essentially. Um, but don't do that. Just get everything, basically. <laughs> Maybe get one. And if you enjoy come it, to... and then get everything. Yeah, okay, that's fair. And we have like a mini Marvel Champions fan convention coming up in May. And I'm going to be bringing my two unmatched Marvel sets and the Deadpool set. Because Sunday is like community day, so it's just play whatever games you want to play. And Americano and I are probably awesome. just going to play unmatched all day. So. I mean, in those in those three boxes, you have forty two different matchups you could play. So that'll keep you busy for a day. There's a lot I don't of, all about it. There's a lot. <laughs> we love that kind of stuff. So we appreciate what you're doing. Uh, we th- thank you for yeah. spending your time with us, um, coming on, talking about it. It's always fascinating to hear. You know, get a peek behind the curtain, um, some behind the scenes on on your thought processes and and you know different characters and the way they tick and and you know that kind of stuff. We we always are happy to talk about that kind of stuff, especially if it's unmatched because well, we are big fans it. of the game. Uh, me too. All our listeners asked us to beg for spoilers from the upcoming box, and I know you can't give us that. But if you could hype people for those next two Marvel boxes with one I mean, word, I can do, one word I can do better than to... that. Um, so better. no spoilers, but I can say pretty confidently that every if you are a fan of Unmatched and know how you think Unmatched is supposed to work, I'm pretty sure every set that's coming out this year is going to make someone ask the question, wait, they can do that? Yes. So. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, that was my question with with Electra exactly. and Daredevil. Um, for for sure, was with yeah, the, no, the smaller we, deck we, sizes. I was we like, made a point okay. of looking at all of our so called rules and asking if we actually had to follow it. Uh, and the answer was yeah, probably most of the time. And then we we found the the spots where we could break those rules. And hopefully, you're gonna you're gonna see all that effort in the in this year and the next. Awesome. I can't wait. All right, no. Well, we'll let you yeah, go. We appreciate you uh coming on. We this is a lot of thank fun. You. So thank you so much. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us.